Showing up for battle without your sword, that's not good. Showed you what not to do. Tell them what you told me in the hall, hon, about children or not. No, you do it. They want to hear from you. No, I just said that children are not an accessory to marriage. They're not a side thought. I thought that was good. Your children are not an accessory to your marriage, you know. Thank you. You know, part of the American dream, here we have them and now it's moving on kind of a thing. Yep. Absolutely. All right. So looking back at that highlighted portion of Adam Clark's commentary... Finishing that last paragraph, he said, the word shanak, the Hebrew, you could see the lettering there, which we translate train up or initiate, signifies also dedicate and is often used for the consecrating of anything. So to, when you're training your child in the way they should go with, their, with the Lord's, you know, in the, to know the Lord and all these different things we'll talk about, you are dedicating them. It's not just having that moment like we did at church. That's the full dedication of your children. You know, Hannah, she gave her, she gave her baby to be trained up. And, and, and he grew up, right? Samuel did and became a great prophet unto God. And uh, so the word means to dedicate is used for the consecrating of anything, a house, a person, to the service of God. Dedicate, therefore, in the first instance, your child to God. And nurse, teach, and discipline him as God's child. I like that. As God's child. Not the world's. Amen. Whom he has entrusted to your care. These things observed and illustrated by your own conduct. The child you have God's word for it will never depart from the path of life. Amen. And so you can see there down under that next highlighted portion... That our job is to teach them, number one, the duties of the path, which I called equipped and responsible. Amen. It's our job to turn our child into an equipped and responsible young man or young lady. Then number two, we talked about the dangers of the path. Part of parenting is warning and empowering. Amen. Warning and empowering our children. And then number three, how to secure the blessings of the path that we must school them in the life of faith and of obedience. Amen. And so praise God. So now we want to flip back around. I I'm, apologize about this. Um, we're jumping around a little bit. But if you go back to the very front and then just flip the page over. And then you'll see this gap. And you'll see where it should have been returned. And it says, Parenting Principles, Part 2, Parenting Principle Number 1. <laughs> so, God's not the author of confusion, but I might be. So, <laughs> and, uh, and so you can, you can see before we turn the page, because that's at the bottom. So in our homes, our children should learn some things, Right? Our children some learns, and I give you seven of those things real quick. Number one, our children should be taught the fear of the Lord. 
Our children should be taught to respect God, to respect the Bible, to respect the things of God, and to have a reverential fear of disobeying Him. You know, if a good, loving mom or dad has done their job, they know, that kid knows dad, mom loves them, knows it. But they also know that they have a little fear of getting in trouble. Right? And I know God loves me. I know He does. But I also, and I've been reaching in my glory studies about trying to capture how awesome He is. How big He is. You know. And you just, I don't have time to go down that trail with you, but study the galaxies and just, you know, it's just like, ah. <laughs> and, and just when Isaiah saw him in Isaiah 6, you know, he's a holy man of God, he's a prophet, but when he saw the Lord, he hid his face and he felt unclean. He said, I'm a man of unclean lips. God is awesome. And we should have a little bit of, you know, about disobeying him. That's a good, healthy thing. The Bible says it's the beginning of wisdom. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And so our children should learn that in our home. Amen. And how does it start for the youngest of kids? Well, I am God in my home. And you're going to learn to respect me. <laughs> it doesn't mean... I'm, and not when I say that, I don't mean like a Pharaoh kind of guy. A Saddam Hussein kind of guy. I mean like... Like, a, like God is. You know, God is so loving and so kind, but He's large and in charge. Amen. And so number two, we see obedience. Our children should learn to obey. Ephesians 6 says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. We should teach them a respect for authority. And this is so lacking. So lacking in today's culture. You know, what is... Freely said, I mean, to the face of a police officer. To have a police officer spat on, bottles thrown at, um, to be talked to, teachers, um, ministers. We, we can't be like the world. We've got to really rebel against the world and, and line ourselves up. And our children should learn respect for authority because if I don't teach them to respect my word in my home there's a force out there that will the authority of a gun the authority of a badge the authority of the law the authority of government and I'd rather them learn it from me I'd rather them learn it from me morality your kids should learn morality there are things that are right and there are things that are wrong amen and a lot of, there's a lot of people who go to church every Sunday, but they're immoral at home. They're immoral at home. And we, our kids should learn morality. They should learn how to hear from God. They're not going to make it in life if they don't learn how to hear from God. Now again, I'm, I'm, I'm intended to live a long time. But there's going to come a day in my children's lives if the Lord tarries is coming, I'm not going to be here. And, and, and many times before that, their future, their victory, their success, their avoiding the dangers is going to depend on them hearing from God. So 
as my children come up, it's not mom and I's job to give them every answer. But, to, I, you know, we've told Faith, Faith, you better take some time to pray in the Holy Ghost. You better take some time and be in the Word. Don't fill up your schedule with, you know, every moment of every day. So anyway, they should learn personal responsibility. Um, I hope we've done a good job with that in our kids. I, I do feel like I, we've done, we do a lot for them. They, we don't overwork them with chores, but, you know, anyway, but they're, Anyway, I'll let the Lord, Mom, grade us on that. Uh, amen. And uh, praise God. But they should learn personal responsibility. Uh, we teach our kids, the, uh, uh, I think Ryan is getting close to having her own account, right? Like financial account or not quite yet. Um, but she, she earned, that girl earns money. That girl's got money. But anyway, um, but responsibility in, in every just basic area. And then how to discover their God-given purpose. Uh, praise God. So well, I want to give highlights. I've got this whole sermon series typed out, but we want to give some highlights in what we have left of this second hour to talk about some parenting principles that we have tapped into that have helped our family become the success it is, that it is. And number one, you can see before you turn the page, is that uh, parenting principle number one is teach and talk the word. Teach and talk the word. Uh, praise God. In Deuteronomy 4.9, we have this word teach, the command to teach our children the Word of God. That word teach means to know, to observe, to be aware of, to instruct, to be skillful, to understand. And what I want to get out in this first principle is, is that we talked about family culture. The, the Word should be a huge part of the culture of your home. You know, not a side issue. You know that everyone in your household is scrambling to find their Bible because it's church day. No, no, no. When, when God separated the Jews, when He brought them out of Egypt, one of the things that He taught them, He commanded parents to talk about the Word when their children were present. That's in Deuteronomy chapter 4. It's also in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And if you've studied you know, Jewish life, taking your time to read those uh, scriptures in Exodus and in chapters in Deuteronomy. There's so much symbolism in Jewish culture surrounded by the Word. So my dad is huge into this stuff. It's a great blessing. But to study the, uh, the Levite and the ephod he wore and the breastplate that had the symbols of all the 12 tribes on it and the, the, the tassels on the prayer shawl. They, they all had scriptures woven. They all meant something about the Word. They were all meant to remind that priest and those who looked at him about the place the Word was to hold. Amen? I understand that, uh, you know, for Jewish families, Orthodox Jewish family, and don't hold me to the letter of the law on this one, but things I've observed and read and studied is that, you know, um, as they come up to age 13 where they're going to have their bar mitzvah, their celebration of the entrance into a new phase of adulthood and responsibility in their life, that they were expected to have the Torah memorized. Now that's not a Sunday school Bible verse. That's the first five books of the Bible committed to memory. Genesis has what? 40-something chapters? How would you like to memorize 
Dean Graves is going to give you a Bible, you know, a Bible school students in assignment. I want you to have Leviticus memorized by the end of the semester, you know. But that's, that's right. If you go up to an Orthodox Jewish home, they'll have a little canister a lot of times on the entrance of their home. And inside that are scriptures. Sometimes they'll have a, a, a mini scroll of the entire Torah, the, five, the first five books of the Bible, to remind them as they're going in and going out that the word dominates here. He told them, talk to your children about the word. He said, write it. Uh, they would put little uh, strings around their fingers and rem to remind, uh, as a visible reminder of certain scriptures. So see, the way God built into the instruction of Jewish life, this is why, though they have been dispersed to the four corners of the world, that they have still been able to preserve their culture and their way of life and their knowledge of the covenant is because of their commitment to the Word. And if we're not going to produce a, a generation, generation like Joshua that doesn't know God, the Word has to have a dominant place in your home. Now we homeschool our children and... Uh, uh, that's a, that's been a blessing to do, and but we have we have chosen obviously Christian curriculum, so it's word based in everything that they do, and then we have specific Bible curriculum um, that we're that we're doing uh, that they that they have, and then but just it's it's just more than that. It's not just teaching it. It's those kids need to see mom and dad journeying it themselves, living it themselves. You know, to see mom and dad pray the prayer of faith for a need the family has. And then to see God honor that faith and the things show up. And one of the things, like our, we, we've dreamed about having things, and not everything that we've wanted to enjoy has showed up overnight. But one of the things our kids have seen and will continue to see is that if you stand, and if, you're faith, if you have faith and patience, things show up. Things show up. You know, Ryan, she, she came to us some months ago and she wanted one of these iPad Pros, one of the new ones. I said, why do you want it? She go, you've got a brand new regular iPad. I just want it. I want it. I just want it. What are you going to do with it? I don't know. I just want it. And she just kept after me about that. Well, she had, uh, I said, well, you believe God. She's 12. It's not like she has a job. You know, she, we work her around the church some or whatever. I said, you get half and we'll talk. I mean, it wasn't just a couple of weeks later. She had half that money. Those things cost, depending on the memory and stuff, you know, minute, and she got the case and everything, nine, you know, over $1,000 for a 12-year-old. She, and she said, I got half. <laughs> wow, okay. And uh, so I just checked my heart about what to do, and, she, and she, I said, well, you got the other half to go. And, and, uh, but I said, okay, well, you want to find out what debt is. I, I said, I'll loan you the other half, but you have to pay me back. She goes, all right. So we went down there, and we bought it. Oh, I forgave the last hundred. Huh? No, she's 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 given, and she's if you want another payment on it, she's got it. But I've I forgave. She she did so well, and I got I just forgave the rest. She worked that daddy blessing on me, but and. Uh, but no, she did. She did pay several hundred dollars more toward it before we, before we forgave it. And, uh, 
But where did she learn how to do that? In our church, in our home, in our flow, we learned how to believe God. Amen. And uh, it's so wonderful to, to see kids in a home rebuke sickness. Or to talk to a fear. Or to sit there and be watching a program and we'll be going, where's Rex? And sis will go, he's praying. You know, where's Faith? She's reading her Bible. Man, now we're not beating our chest about anything, but that kind of thing doesn't just happen overnight. We don't have to, and the, and the tremendous thing is, and not everybody's in this position, but we were in position that we were able to start these things with them wee little. Now you're going to have a little bit, a, a lot bigger battle on your hand maybe if you're starting with a kid that's 16. You know, but you still should. You fight the good fight, you do what you can do. But, but we, we, we had the privilege of knowing and hearing some of these things really early. So the word is the Cody governing document. And this is what makes it fair and safe is that everyone in the household, no one is exempt. I am governed by the word. So I, I am under orders in our home to every scripture that we know. Right? So it's not just me, but you know, someone else is exempt. So the word is our governing constitution. Mom and dad don't just tithe. We all tithe. We all give offerings. They've been tithing since they were putting a quarter in, 50 cents in. So it's nothing for them for faith when she's got her own money now to be tithing. Not a big deal. They're in the flow of that. Amen? So we're going to go on for time's sake, but there's, I, could, I could preach to you for a long time on this. That... Um, well, before we leave this, this is interesting. If you see this on the, the next page, I don't know, let me see. A word culture in the home, um, Deuteronomy 6. I give you a Gallup poll in there. In 2012, Gallup did a poll and reported that 78% of Americans still identified themselves as Christian. And that's not the shocking part. The shocking part is, is that when Barna asked them about what they believed, they found that only 9% of Americans actually have a biblical worldview. They, a biblical worldview is, is they see and conduct life through a, through a biblical lens. Right? And so here is how they defined a biblical worldview. They believe that absolute truth exists. Only 9% of Americans believe that. Therefore, you get the gender confusion and all that kind of junk that goes on. Only 9% believe that the Bible is totally accurate in all of its principles. Only 9% uh, considered Satan to be a real being, not just symbolic. 9% uh, believe that a person can't uh, earn their way to heaven, you know, by trying to, that, you know, people don't have that laid down. They still think they can get to heaven by doing good works. Only 9% that believed, believe that Jesus lived a sinless life on earth and that God is an all-knowing God. So that's shocking, isn't it? That only 9% of uh, Christians, 78% uh, 
say they're, uh, they identify, if you will, as Christians, but they don't know what they believe. You want to know why? There's no emphasis of the word. And this, uh, this is where going to the right church is so important because so many of modern churches in America are self-help churches. They, they don't preach the word, they preach self-help. Four steps to a better marriage, five steps to this, and it's not based in the Word. A lot of them, you won't see a Bible in their church, their services. If they even reference one, it might be off their phone. But most of the time, uh, they're pulling off Hollywood this, Hollywood that, Reader's Digest, whatever, um, because that's what their marketing company told them to do. And, uh, and so churches are not teaching doctrine anymore. Now, I'm not going to, but if I asked you, what do you believe why do you believe it? If I asked you, do you believe that God wrote the Bible, that the Bible's perfect, it's infallible, it is the inspired Word of God? If I asked you to give me substantive reason why you believe that and give me evidence why the Bible has any greater value than the Quran, could you? Or did you just grow up hearing it? And yes, you bought into it, you happen to be right. But a lot of people out there don't know it's right. You're supposed to help them. I'm supposed to help them. The Bible proves itself to be divine. But if I asked you, tell me who goes to hell, who goes to heaven, and tell me why, you should be able to answer that question. Right? Basic Bible doctrine. So anyway, it's a huge thing, and it should be, the word should be a dominant part of the culture uh, that is in our home, okay? So flip, and then you'll see a big blank page like that, sorry. And you'll see parenting principle number two at the bottom. And it is pay attention. Parenting principle number two is pay attention. Proverbs twenty-seven twenty-three. if you turn to that next page, I give it to you. The Bible says, be diligent to know the state of your flock. And look well to your herd. Amen. So I heard before, well, maybe, yeah, because we moved to Paducah before we got connected to the Dufresne's, faith was nine months old. But really early on, we heard Pastor Nancy say what she did, parenting kids. Have y'all heard? She did three things, is dominate. Number one, she said, I raised my kids. I kept my kids with me. I didn't farm them out to be raised. Now, again, we're in different life circumstances Right? I'm not saying that if you utilize daycare that you're violating that, or if you have a job, you know, it's all that. But she had the opportunity, and so she took that. Amen? But anyway, she said, I kept my kids with me. I raised my children. You just be sure, don't let the school system raise your kid. Don't let Instagram raise your kid. Don't Don't let TikTok or whatever that thing is. Raise your kid. Don't let TV raise your kid. Don't let video games raise You raise them. So she said, number one, I kept my kids with me. Number two, she said, I paid attention. I paid attention. Yeah. Uh, she said, I, I, and, and part of that, she said, I guarded their fellowship like a rattlesnake. And Amber and I, we, we have done that. You don't know, just... Just because you're breathing and you're my kid's age doesn't qualify, and you even go to our church, that doesn't qualify you to be my kid's friend. Amen? Amen. And, and we've told them, we've tried to be balanced. We said, listen, it's, uh, we're not above anyone, but not everyone is qualified to be your friend. Yes. 
And so, since you're not mature enough yet to pick your friend, we will pick your friends for you. And one of the things we found out is age doesn't mean much. Some, uh, we, our kids are, have great friendships with folks who are 70, you know, 50. Um, you know, they don't play tiddlywinks together, but they just have, and they're more mature. And they have, now they have friends their own age, and that's great. But we believe God, and we, we have a pretty tight filter. So you, you need to guard your children's fellowship. Bad company corrupts good habits. Bad company corrupts good habits. Notice it's not the good one that's going to influence the bad one for good. It's the bad will, will contaminate, right? The fact that there's a whole lot of good Fiji, you put a little strychnine in there, the dominant water doesn't undo the strychnine. So anyway, you really have to watch it. And then the third thing she said was, I kept my kids in the local church. And we have done that in our home. You say, well, obviously, you're the pastor. No, before we were the pastor. Before we were in full-time ministry, getting a paycheck in the ministry. We planned, and we've always, for decades now, we plan our entire week and year around the church calendar. We don't plan family vacation around camp meeting during the week of camp meeting. We wait to hear what Pastor Nancy's dates are, what Dr. Jacobs' dates are, and, we, and, and then our main events on our church calendar. And we told our kids, you can do anything you want. You know, you want to play basketball, you want to do archery, you want to do dance, you want to do that, fine. But Sunday morning, Wednesday night, you just let the coach know this is where you're at. And I, you know, I just think it's evident the fruit after 20 years with our oldest child, it bears out. It bears out. Parenting principle number two is pay attention. Know the state of your flocks. Pay attention. The God's word says be fully aware of the condition. Pay close attention. Amen. So... I, I marked this in with my pen today to be sure to emphasize this, that next point. Nothing good happens in neglect. Now, because of my mom and dad's, you know, my mom and dad got divorced for a, a good period. Um, my mom didn't have the money for a good daycare, whatever. And so we would get off the, we'd get on the bus after she left. We'd get off the bus well before she got home. And uh, we were left to ourselves. And got in a lot of trouble, right? Now, I understand those are, those are challenges. Those are adult challenges. But for me, the kid, without the oversight, I got in a lot of trouble. I got in the flow of some bad habits. Nothing good happens in neglect. Nothing good. Satan often comes through the open door of neglect. Amen? Where there is a lack of diligence, Satan has an opportunity. We'll say that again. Where there is a lack of diligence, Satan has an opportunity. You know, we, we learn pretty quick to stretch out as far as possible giving our children a phone. And, they, and all their friends had phones for years before they did. And they kept after me, right? When? When do I get a phone? I said, when I need to call you, that's when you'll get a phone. Yeah. 
when, right, when I need to get a hold of you, that'll be the, the moment you get a phone. But you're with me all the time. You don't need one. Right? And uh, then when they got a phone, there were, there were times where we were not as diligent as we should have been, and we found Satan trying to get into our children's lives through their, their cell phone. Anything that has... And I've, I've counseled parents, uh, and, their, and their kid is 10, 11, 12, and they're hooked on porn. They're totally hooked on porn. They come to church every Sunday. They don't have bad friends, but they have an electronic device with no filter. And the way it is, those precious kids, they don't have to be searching for it. The algorithms, the, they, Satan is, he is going to invade. So they took the phone away, and then, but they forgot about the iPad. Then they took the iPad away. And then a few weeks later, they're back, and she's like, the PlayStation. And I, I started figuring out, it took about five or six weeks, and we just found out, if it connects to the internet, the devil can get in with pornography. So, I mean, just parents beware, but you just have to be on it. You have to be diligent. Amen. And you have to be engaging with your kids. My, my, my daughter, Faith, she's a lot like her mom in the sense that she's like a safe. And she's just not out there with her deepest thoughts. You know, you have to fish for those. Amen. And so Amber and I, and, and really, really her, when she got, Faith got in her teenage years and there was some, just not as close as much. You just, I, I remember you made a conscious decision. I want to have a great relationship with my daughter. And you made a purposeful effort. I'm going to invest in that relationship. And oh, how it paid, that decision paid off. But we've, if I want to know how Faith's doing, she's not going to tell me. I have to ask her. I have to invest the time. Amen. Amen. And so, you know, like a pastor has to pay attention. Nothing good happens in neglect. And uh, yeah, um, it might uh, interest you to know, it's down there on your handout somewhere, 62%, number five, 62% of all child abuse comes in the form of neglect. Yeah. And so our, we need to be reminded that you know, more than our kids' desire for the latest brand clothing, more than their desire for the latest phone, more than their desire for their own room, they need you. You know, if you'd have asked me in the aftermath of my mom and dad splitting up what I wanted most, polo jeans would not have been on the top of the list. What I would have wanted most would be for my mom and my dad to love each other. Yeah, and to be there for us. Yeah, you know, my dad not being there created a void that I still feel today. Now, I'm pretty well healed, but I mean, you get a father-son movie, and I'll go to boo-hooing. That Frequency movie, I don't know if you've ever watched that movie with uh, Jim Caviezel or whatever, no, whatever. And at the end, they're reunited, and they're playing catch. Oh my God, I'm melted in the, in the thing, you know. Because I'm just touchy about it because I didn't have him. And that's what I've wanted the most. What does neglect do? You can see that in number four. Number neglect isolates. A, neg a neglected child is isolated. And then they will feel alienated. And that's going to foster feelings of betrayal and anger and bitterness. And when a kid often starts acting out, 
And they come home with a piercing and they come home looking weird in a punky hairstyle. (laughs) They're asking you to pay attention. They're telling you I'm hurting. Right? Yeah, I know that there's stylistic differences and all that, but, you know, there's this, this kid that comes to the Paducah Mall. And I'm sorry, he's a freak. That, that's what he puts out. I mean, his, his ear things have been so stretched, they're hanging down to here. I mean, he is, he is and, and then he, he, if you look at him twice, you know, they almost want to buck up at you. And I'm like, what do you expect us all to do? You look like a man from another world. And what is that? It's a cry for help. That's a kid who's not been paid attention to. That's how, that, that's how you end up like that. 62% of all child abuse comes in the form of neglect. Yeah, and I write there, again, I'm skipping around number five down there uh, under Proverbs 15, 27. He that's great, greedy for gain troubles his own house. And I just wonder how much of our kids have we lost to the world as, because parents are chasing money. Trying to keep up with the Joneses. I, I got to have that sea do. I got to have that vacation home. I got to wear that brand. And it takes you out of the family flow too much. And we lose our kids. If we're greedy for gain, we bring trouble to our own house. Yeah. And so we have, to, uh, we have to be very careful. What is neglect? We're skipping all over. Number three, uh, Webster defines neglect as giving little attention or respect to. Remember I said, if you have that child, you owe that child time. Absolutely. Uh, to neglect means to leave undone or unattended, especially through carefulness, carelessness. Yeah, I've parented some kids, God bless them. Total destruction in their mom and dad's life, and now she's a single mom, and a lot of them on welfare habitually, and she's working three or four jobs all night long, and the kids are just existing by themselves. And obviously, they don't have a chance. It would be a miracle. And everything in their world ends up being wrong. And it takes decades of, it just takes a lot of time to try to pull a kid out of that kind of start. Yeah, amen. So parenting principle number three. We've talked about parenting principle number one is to have a word culture in your life and in your home. Parenting principle number two is pay attention. Pay attention. Parenting principle number three is be an example. Be an example. Parenting, as you can see at the bottom of this particular page, parenting is very little about what you say. And it's a whole lot about what you do. You turn the page. Parenting is about modeling. Living the right way in front of your kids. Day after day. Amen? Letting uh, Amber and I, we, we, we can't do just everything in private there are private things but then there are things that must be done in front of amen and uh, one of the things that is explicitly talked about in Deuteronomy 6 is the tithe act 
There's an account in Deuteronomy 6, I believe, towards the end of that chapter, where you have this illustration that there'll come a day, it says, where your son will walk up and say, Dad, what are you doing? And he say, well, this is my tithe. Tithe, what is that? And then he'll say, son, we didn't always have the blessing. I was a slave once in Egypt. We lived under Pharaoh who was a hard taskmaster. We didn't own anything. We didn't have anything. But God, and he says, tell your children, tell your son in that moment. But God brought us out with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Tell them about the judgments. Tell them about watching the rivers turn into blood. Tell them about the flies and the frogs. Tell them about Moses. Tell them about what God did. Tell them about the Shekinah glory. Tell them about that. Amen. And then say, look, all this that we have today, we have because God has come into a covenant with us and it's big for us. And I love God and I honor God and this is my tithe and we're going to the temple. Why don't you go with me? I've done a lot of paraphrasing there, but you literally have this instruction to parents, tithe in front of your children. And take that as an opportunity to say, the tithe is not just about money, it's not just about helping our church pay its bills, but we didn't have, Cody's, where do you think this house came from? And you know, these, these cars we drive around, and the clothes we live, and the places we get to go, God is the one. And to let our kids see us worship God at church and bring our tithe and honor God with it. Amen? I firmly believe your children need to learn how to disagree and how to resolve conflict by watching their mom and dad disagree. Watching their mom and dad work out certain things that are appropriate to be worked out in front of them. Amen? Paul told Timothy, be an example. Be an example. And uh, my, uh, my, my son has never seen me raise an angry hand at, at his mother. And never will. God help me. Amen. And, uh, you know, my, my son has, uh, has seen us do well and my son has seen us fail. Our kids have seen us fail. And that's part of it. Part of it in this life is failing and falling and, and getting back up and, and seeing dad not do it right, but, but ask God to forgive and, and get up and go again. Amen? And, uh, you know, uh, the, the little things, the funny, I think there's a, uh, uh, an insurance commercial out there about parents becoming their children. The children becoming their parents. That's kind of a, <laughs> right? Have you seen those commercials? That's, that, that's kind of a funny, but... Uh, you know, I, I've got mannerisms at home I, I won't show you, but we have pets in the home and I, I talk to them a certain way in funny voices. I do. And uh, where did I... I didn't think, you know what, this would be fun, I'm going to do this. My dad did it. My, my dad did it. And uh, when, my, when my dad sneezes, he makes a huge deal of it. When he sees, and it's always tongues on the way out. I chuckle on the most you know, and it's just, and I have to stop myself. I don't, do I do, I just do the same thing, yeah. And uh, these little quirky things, you know, that show up, but right the best of us, our 
our heart for God, our love for God, our devotion to God, our, our discipline to read the Bible. You know, my, my children don't just see me say, open your Bible when I get behind the pulpit. But they'll see me in the morning, uh, you know, and they've seen me struggle to get up at 6 a.m. <laughs> at God's instruction. You, you get what I mean? Uh, parenting is about living the right way, modeling, doing things. And, and uh, I, one of the things that, uh, that I've done is, uh, as Rex came of age, I started taking him with me. When I go out on the farm, I take him out there with me. And I want him to know how to do a few things. This is what a battery is. This is what a jumper. We just jumped, we just jumped a vehicle together recently. And I haven't let him do it quite yet on his own, but he's, he's ready to do that now. Uh, just different things. Mom, uh, we just get the kids involved. Our girls, they can cook it up for you. You know? And uh, just life skills. Life skills should be modeled. So number two, your words will have great effect if they match your life. But if you want your words to mean nothing, say and don't do. Say and don't do. You know, uh, in our farm place, one of the things Ryan really wanted, she wanted uh, something to ride around on, uh, on the farm. And uh, so we decided, well, we'll get a Polaris Ranger. We'll, we'll get a Ranger. We'll get a side-by-side type vehicle we can all ride around in. And, uh, but it didn't come, and it didn't come, and it didn't come. And I said, well, when we pay off the expedition, we'll go do that. Well, eventually we paid off the expedition. But we had some other things. Amber and I, we had some financial goals that we really want to advance. But I remember what I said. And I you know, almost was tempted to try to hide that information that the expedition was paid off for a little while till we could advance some other financial goals. But I, got, I was convicted about that. She's been standing. She's been patient. We kept telling her, wait, wait, wait. And uh, so, no, we told her, and she found one, found a used one, and we went, we bought the thing. Amen. It's just, I would rather spend the money when I feel inconvenienced, when I have pressing needs elsewhere, so that my daughter, Ryan, could see Mom and I keep our promise. Amen. I don't want my children to learn broken promises from their preacher dad. <laughs> Amen. And so, uh, number three, this is an important statement, I think. It's very unlikely that your kids will ever love church more than you do. It's very unlikely that your kids are ever going to love God more than you do. Yeah. It's very unlikely they're going to be more of a word person than you are. Amen. And so uh, it, it just so matters. You know, there have been a few times in 20 years, maybe two, where I was just exhausted, tired, and it came around midweek, and uh, they didn't see me getting ready. And uh, they would say, Dad, what about church? And I said, I'm resting. I've got somebody, I'm resting. We're staying home tonight. And they're like, oh, no, we're not. That has been their reaction. And I said, listen, it's not a sin. I don't, it's not my flow. Just two times in 20 years, I'm resting. 
And they literally said, after you drop us off. I'm, I'm not lying. You go to hell for lying. That was what they've told us. You dropping us off and we are not missing. We've been out on, a, out on an outing just on vacation and, and Rex being a little. And I'm like, what is, what is wrong? Well, we've missed two services, Dad. I just don't like missing service. I'm like, son, we've got to have a vacation. <laughs> but that is, and again, not beating our chest. Where did they get that heart? Where did they get that mindset? Little by little, day after day. So looking at the clock, be an example in the word, in your word, how you talk, how you live, your conduct, your love walk should be an example. Amen. Be an example in spirit, in spiritual things. Show them at home what it means, what it looks like to be spiritual. You know, people that got this, again, that look in their eye, ooh, you know, those people are weird. They're not spiritual, they're weird. We have such great examples in our company. Pastor Nancy is a deeply spiritual person, maybe the most spiritual person I know, and yet she's real. Just real and raw and approachable and transparent and, and knows what everyday living is like. Brother Hagin was that way, I understand. Dad Dufresne, I know, was that way. Dr. Jacobs is that way. Pastor Dennis is that way. I mean, the greats are just that way. Amen? These pseudo-spiritual floating around. Ooh, they're just, Right? But we need to teach our children how to, you know, put your pants on one leg at a time. Amen? And be spiritual at the same time. Fewer things are frustrated for me for someone who neglects the natural to the, you know, in the name of the spiritual. Like I had a guy I had to pay, for, pay their family's rent like the fourth time in a row or something. I finally said, look, what is going on with you? He said, well, two or three months ago I got laid off or I got my hours cut way back. <laughs> and I said, well, what would they cut your hours back to? Well, from 40 to 10. And I said, well, how many applications have you been putting out? Well, not a lot. I said, well, not a lot. What do you mean not a lot? He said, Pastor, I'm a tither. And I went, oh, I wanted to slap the guy. He's got kids at home. He said, I've been making my confessions. My God shall supply. I wanted to slap the guy. I said, listen, you've got to learn how to be spiritual. That's a real thing. Faith and being is a real thing. But so is if you do not work, you do not eat. That's a scripture too. Look at the ants, you sluggard, you lazy thing. And I said, if your family ends up in the street, it won't be on me. I am not paying this bill. You're just lazy. And he left, and they got divorced. It's just been bad. People have to learn how to live in planet Earth. You have to learn how to live in planet Earth and be spiritual too. And this kind of grounded, wonderful example should be something that we model in front, of our, in front of our kids. We should be an example in faith. We've talked about that, how to believe God. We would uh, drive by that, uh, that farmland, and it's just nothing but farmland, but we had to drive by there every day to get home. And we said, hey, kids, you see that building out there? And they go, huh, what? 
No. There's the building out there. It's coming up. It's coming to pass. We're believing God for it. Oh, okay. And then we had, the con- we had the concrete slab poured out there, but it stood there for a year and a half. And we just kept saying, you see that building out there? Well, you come to Paducah, the building is there. See our, so we're, again, we're bringing our kids in. Doesn't happen overnight. You stand, you believe, you do what you're supposed to do. Things come to pass. Our kids should learn purity from our example. How to live a clean, holy life that is pleasing to God. Uh, amen. Amen. How about being a, uh, an example of what a, uh, what a good husband looks like? A lot of us, we, we didn't get that, did we? I read a lot of your stuff, that you, and I'm so grateful for that, that material you gave me that first day about what you won't do and what you'll do. And, uh, but, you know, thank God, like, you just overcome those things. You were an overcomer. But you, and look ahead, like I gave you my example of my dad, me, and then my kids. It'll be different for them. If you'll fight the good fight today, it'll be different for them. Amen. Learning what to do and, and what not to do. Praise God. Well, I don't think we'll necessarily we'll get to this one, but that fourth principle you can see there, and you've got the notes. Is, is that we should instruct and bring correction to our kids. Maybe I'll come back and spend five or ten minutes on it before we take your questions and, and finish the day. Okay, but let's go ahead and take a break. We'll come back at uh, half, uh, bottom, bottom half of the hour.